Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, Chagas Moorpark for Moy announced their open day, 4th of July. Beef finishers face big losses. Barry Rose Show taking place on 8th of July. Dairy Gold announces acquisition of Irish Nutritional Solutions provider Vita Actives. Also in the programme, Kevin Quish, Dairy Gold Agribusiness, Farm Support, South on Tillage. Dairy Gold Health and Nutrition, part of Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, has announced it's acquired a majority shareholding in Vita Actives Limited, an Irish nutritional solutions provider entering the fast-growing life-stage nutrition sector. Vita Actives Limited, based in Dublin, was founded in 2006 by Mr. Deepak Sharma and supplies high-value nutraceutical ingredients and nutrition solutions to more than 400 global customers for the functional foods, human nutrition, sports nutrition, health, wellness and cosmetic industries. Speaking about the acquisition, George McLeod, General Manager, Dairy Gold Health and Nutrition, said, This acquisition, quote, is a significant development for Dairy Gold and the first acquisition since we established the Dairy Gold Health and Nutrition business in 2020. Mr. McLeod said, This transition provides Dairy Gold Health and Nutrition with significant opportunities for future growth within the fast-growing life-stage nutrition sector. It also provides opportunities for cross-divisional research and development that will identify new opportunities within Dairy Gold, highlighting the synergies between the Dairy Gold and Vita Actives businesses and further demonstrating the strong rationale for such an acquisition. Speaking about the announcement, Dairy Gold Chief Executive Mr. Connor Galvin said, quote, The acquisition of Vita Actives is in line with our strategy, our strategy, our future 2030, of delivering incremental higher margin for the society and our members and diversifying earnings. Since the establishment of the Dairy Gold health and nutrition business, we've been exploring and evaluating acquisition opportunities within the life stage nutrition sector. Mr. Gavin went on, we're delighted to have Deepak and his team on board as part of the Dairy Gold family and look forward to supporting them in the further expansion and growth of the business into the future. Speaking about the deal, Vita Active CEO Mr. Deepak Sharma said, quote, This transaction is the perfect fit for us. It will give Vita Active the support we need to grow the business through developing and growing our customer base enhancing our research and development capabilities and will give us a strong platform to achieve the success I know we are capable of. Mr. Deepak Sharma said he was excited to see what would be achieved in the coming years in a sector that's growing at a rapid pace. Speaking about the announcement, Dairy Gold's chairman, Mr. Sean O'Brien, said, quote, This acquisition is a very positive and encouraging move for Dairy Gold's members demonstrating Dairy Gold's commitment to identifying acquisition opportunities capable of building higher margin growth opportunities for the society and its members. Dairy Gold Health and Nutrition was established in 2020 with the goal of delivering growth and value for the business through expanding into higher margin business opportunities and building Dairy Gold's 
capabilities in the life-stage nutrition sector. Dairy Gold has been building and developing its proposition pipeline with the launch of Arabo, its Bordbia grass-fed, accredited fortified whole milk powder in October 2021, and in the recent launch of three new products in the range Active Light, Active Boost and Active Vitality at CL in China. Next in the programme, Kevin Quish, Dairy Gold, Agribusiness Farm Support South, on the role of sulphur in grassland, soil conditioners, the importance of liming and cover-safe crops. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Kevin Quish, Dairy Gold, Agribusiness, Farm Support South. First of all, Kevin, welcome to the programme. Now, you very kindly agreed to talk to us about several matters, but first of all, cover-safe crops... Yeah, so with the, with, with the clover safe sprays, John, you have um, you you clover max with eagle and you have leguminix. Um, eagle is, is a powder based spray, whereas clover max and leguminix are are liquid. Um, they kind of cheese, buttercups, docks, fatting, horses tail, nettle plantain, I suppose, um, thistles, and the active ingredient is um, DB and MCPA. So you'd have about two hundred and forty gram a litre of um, DB and 40 grams a litre of MCPA with, uh, in a 10 litre drum. So, like, I would consider adding, like, active HG if we were treating waxy weeds or if the moisture level was a bit high. And um, if, if caught with strong weeds, I suppose the best, the best bet would be to mow or roll several weeks before application if the weeds are tall. As the same as any gas grassland spray, it will only get the, ki- the best kill rate as far as when the plant is at a certain leaf stage or all this, there's no point really spraying strong weeds as such. Um, I'd avoid spraying in cold conditions also, as the effectiveness may be reduced and the power of the spray would be lessened. I would also advise like the Clovermax immediately before or after a seed and giving it a chance for the seed to germinate instead of spraying straight away. Kevin, the role of sulphur in grassland. Could you comment on that? The role of sulphur in grassland. Yeah, it's what the sulphur is a big one at the moment. I feel I was just asking for like can uh, instead of can straight can came with sulphur. So I suppose the big thing with, with sulphur is it's kind of vital and it's the main constituent of amino acids, which are the building blocks of amino acids for proteins. Uh, sulphur, I suppose, uh, it's essential also for the formation of enzymes and chlorophyll as well uh, and vitamins and for nodule formation in the root nodules of what, we, what everyone is talking about at the moment, which is clover. Uh, it is also said that it has a tendency to sweeten up all grass or stale pastures, uh, which increases palatability. Um, clover actually has a higher requirement for sulphur compared to grass, and therefore sulphur is a limiting factor out in farms at the moment. So it would be best, be best practice, I suppose, like it wouldn't do any harm to put it into the fertilizer as those 27 with sulphur. And those can with sulfur, and there's also uh, protected urea with sulfur as well. So, yeah. Um, the sulfur deficiency in the permanent grassland could be mistaken for nitrogen deficiency. Like, So, however, because sulfur is immobile in the plant, deficiency symptoms are first observed in young leaves, which are usually pale green or yellow, which is nearly similar to, to nitrogen deficiency. Uh, when sulfur is limited in the plant, then enzyme nitrate. Uh, reductase is the first cause of nitrate to accumulate in leaf tissue so these results in high levels of nitrate are, are undeniable. the results in high levels of the nitrate 
are undes- undesirable for the following reasons. Uh, so it reduces the potential yield of the grass protein and increased risk risk of nitrogen leaching due to lower levels of nitrogen uptake by the grass. So full stop, clover is leaking in, 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 in permanent pasture. Could you identify soil conditioners and emphasise the importance of soil conditioners? Yeah, so I suppose the big thing at the moment is the grassroots sustainability programme in, in the crop and uh, bioscans bio are being sent out to farmers at the moment and some of the some of the so, so solutions to the bioscans would be soil conditioners. Like, so what a soil conditioner does is improves the texture of the soil rather than boost nutrients. So when a soil conditioner is used correctly, it changes the soil so that gorm becomes simpler for the plant. The roots will be able to penetrate the surrounding soil more readily. For example, making it easier for them to grow deeper and stronger. Like soil conditioners can also improve water filtration, so it just lets the water pass down through the ground better. Um, the soil needs conditioners for a number of reasons. As well, um, one of the vital needs is to control soil degradation. I suppose drainage and aggregation. And, and to reduce soil crusting and compaction. Soil conditioners, as well, as well, like include many kinds of organic materials. Like so, this is what they're made of. So, like gypsum lime, natural deposits, like that hold water in the soil, and like living plants and microbes are another example of them. So, um, soil conditioners are useful as they make up more functional, functional as an ecosystem. So, and more efficient as support for grassland-based production systems. So like there's two types of there's two types of conditioners like that that can, that can be used to, to solve these bioscans or to get up the organic matter. So like you fizzle it, which is a product produced by Dustin Negro, and that that derived or contains calcium material called calcium, which acts as a source of calcium. Um, it also works as a soil source of pH stabilizer to maintain and optimum pH levels and counteract natural acidification of the soil, which is caused by fertilizer application and rainfall. And as you know, we get thinking rainfall here in Ireland. Um, with the, there's another solution then, which is soil biostimulants, which are substances or microorganisms applied, applied to the soil with the aim of enhancing crop yield, plant tolerance. So our plant tolerance to a wide range of biotic stresses or nutrient use efficiency. The beneficial, I suppose, effects of the plant biostimulants are usually not due to the nutrient content, but down to the regulatory effects of the plant mechanism. Um, super soil, I suppose, is seen all over social media at the moment, popping up on people, on popping up on people, Facebook and Instagram, and this is a product that's kind of similar to a biostimulant. Yeah. We often hear about uh, liming deficiencies in Irish soil. The importance of liming, you know, your soil tests will give you a picture of the liming content of your soil. But just to to reinforce the importance of liming. Yeah, liming is a big one, John. I suppose like, it's, it, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's an easy solution to a lot of the pH deficiencies in, 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 in the country. Um, as, we are, as we are aware... Like if you're receiving, the first thing to do is to to go work on limestone before direct drilling or ploughing. Um, um, receded pastures, I suppose, have higher growth rates to when you're receiving. That's where you receive to higher to older soils. Like um, with lime and a fresh reseed, the soil pH is a strong influence 
on the nutrient availability of the nutrients in the soil and how they are released by cation exchange uh, or cation exchange capacity. Um, over time, paddocks have a tendency to become more acidic due to rainfall, as I stated already, which is why ground, ground limestone is produced or used uh, to get up to pH to 6 or 6, 6, 6.5 to 7 and then improve nutrient uptake. Um, there's a quick fix there as well. Uh, there's a fertilizer that can be used if we get a quick fix in two years with ground limestone as a kicking effect after about six months and that for at least seven years. Rainfall has come in general very welcome, but of course it could spike off uh, secondary growth. But in general, a comment on rainfall to round up, uh, Kevin. Rainfall welcome in general with some qualifications. Well, I suppose welcome. Rainfall, some fellas, you can't, um, you can't give enough rain to especially in certain, certain parts of Cork. Like, but, like, you see the the, the, the counties in Munster that do get rainfall are tend to be that bit more acidic when the soil samples come back. Um, like, the likes of Kerry, that is heavy ground or down around parts of Limerick, like, but um, it's all down to the ground as well. Like, the ground, should be, if the ground is able to soak water, um, it, it tends to be a bit more lower in pH than the ground that's more sandier in nature. Thank you very much indeed. We understand you're extremely busy, Mr. Kevin Quish, Dairy Good, Agribusiness, Farm Support South. You're very busy on the road at the moment, looking after clients, yeah, Dairy Good. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks a million. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President, Mr. Dermot Kelleher, has described the outcome of the EU Environment ENVI Committee vote on the proposed nature restoration law as, quote, a sensible decision given what's at stake. Speaking from Brussels, where he attended the voting session, Mr. Kelleher said, quote, It's time to pause this and reflect. ICSA, he said, had been steadfast in its opposition to the nature restoration law in its current format due to the genuine concerns of Irish farmers and what it would mean and how it would be implemented and what he called the abject failure of those concerns to be acknowledged or addressed. Part of a long statement there from the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National President, West Cork-based Mr Dermot Kelleher. And ICSA National Beef Chairman Edmund Grahams warned meat factories that their continued what he called assault on beef prices is having a devastating effect at farm level and causing immense frustration amongst farmers. Mr Graham said, quote, The situation with beef prices has reached a tipping point. Producing beef only to get hammered by the processors and coming out making a loss is completely unsustainable. Mr Graham said farmers are at their wits' end. Part of a long statement there from Mr Edmund Graham, ICSA National Beef Chair. IFA President Tim Collins said the outcome of the European Parliament's Environment Committee on Tuesday 27th regarding the proposed Nature Restoration Law, NRL, raised significant questions about how the EU Commission approached this piece of legislation. The Committee failed to pass the proposed NRL, Nature Restoration Law, and was deadlocked at 44-44 on the issue. Speaking from Brussels, IFA Director of European Affairs, Mr Liam McHale, said that the outcome was unprecedented and that while the proposal could still proceed to plenary session, it's time for the Commission to re-evaluate their proposal. 
addressing the Joint Rockless Committee for Agriculture on the consolidation in horticultural grower numbers, IFA Deputy President Mr Brian Rush said that in order for the horticultural sector to survive and to prosper, radical changes in the horticultural sector must be implemented. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Barry Murphy, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Barry, welcome to the programme. Now the Thanks, lead, you're very welcome, Barry. Now the headline, head banner in this week's journal: Finishers losing 300 euro per head on spring stores. That's covered extensively in a number of articles in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. That's the uh, first of July, 2023. The background to that, Barry, what's the situation there? Yeah, it's a, it's a stark state of affairs, John, now when you look at it. I suppose farmers who bought stores in the beginning of the year back in the spring um, and going off current beef prices are making a loss of about €300 Euro per head. That's beef finishers. Um, and look, we'll, you know, I just have to acknowledge that store prices were up in the spring at the start of the year, but that €300 Euro loss isn't, is as bad as it was back in 2019 when we saw significant beef farmer protests across the country, and a lot of your listeners might remember the blockades of factories and so on. So it really is, um, you know, a sorry state of affairs at the moment. It's uh, been described by Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association Beef Chair Edmund Graham, the ICSA. He's saying that it's a tinderbox situation, one where farmers are at their wits' end, and factories are not acknowledging that, and it has never been more costly to produce beef is what he's saying. And I suppose look, bullock base prices have dropped to 4.90 per kg, uh, with heifers at around the, the 4.95 or the 5 euro per kilo mark, just touching the 5 euro maybe. Um, but unfortunately, John, there are indications that you know prices are going to notch a little bit further down. Um, and I suppose at the crux of it is that you know prices are 20 cent per kilo to 25 cent per kilo back on this time last year. And what's it down to really? It's It's the kind of, we saw the good weather there, the hot weather across Europe before we got rain. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't light up the barbecues like it might have been hoped. Um, I suppose there's a cost of living crisis going on there in a lot of countries. I think particularly Netherlands and Germany have been hit by them. The public more generally, they're not you know, putting out or um, they're not put, you know, able to afford premium cuts of beef. And therefore, um, there's just not a demand there that there might have been. There's also the situation where we have a 27% increase in the amount of beef being imported from South America into the European Union this year. Um, So that beef is predominantly going into the manufacturing beef market. um, And that is also creating a situation where European and Irish beef is losing out. So it's not looking too good at the moment for beef prices um, for the rest of the summer. And you usually do see a summer slump in prices, but it's coming about six weeks earlier than it did last year. A bright spot with the UK market remaining relatively strong, according to the review. Yeah, no, that, that's it uh, exactly, John. Like the, the, the UK is Ireland's strongest beef market. Uh, about 50% of the beef we produce goes there. And prices there are 60 to 70 uh, cents per kilo, or about 270 or ahead above Irish levels. Um, so demand for beef in the UK continues to remain strong it seems um, and I suppose that will be positive for the Irish market in that we supply a lot of beef there and you would hope that would trickle down to an improved beef price here as well but at the moment it doesn't seem to be doing so. Now looking at the other side of the house as we're going from beef uh, to dairy another article there by yourself Barry Murphy in this week's Irish Farmers Journal 1st of July 2023 page 3 there sparks fly in Doyle over dairy cow 
called proposals. And that, of course, refers to, I think, something like 200,000 cows as a target for culling. Yeah, no, and look, this has been kind of banded about in on national airwaves and then national media, you know, this cow cull. And it's been the talk now for a while. And what it comes from is the Food Vision Dairy Group. Um, that was formulated by the minister and to look at how can we reduce emissions from the dairy sector. There's a similar group for the beef and sheep sector as well. But on the dairy side of things, the overall you know, agriculture sector has a target of 25% of a reduction in emissions by 2030. So the minister brought in the farm organisations, Togish, um, the dairy industry representatives and so on, to come up with a plan. And one of the recommendations from that plan was to look at a voluntary dairy reduction scheme. Now, the regional independent group, um, including TDs and deputies such as, we'd be familiar with Matthew McGrath, Michael Collins, TD, um, Karen Nolan, TD, and a few others, they put forward, um, and uh, sorry, and, and most importantly, kind of down your part of the country, John, you'd have the Healy Rays as well, be a member of this group. But they tabled a motion yesterday in the Dáil um, asking the government and the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, to come out and once and for all state that they are not going to call the national herd. Um, the minister, you know, he kind of put it back and said, look, there's no one culling or killing cattle. It'll be a voluntary scheme. And there was a lot of back and forth. It was interesting to note as well that there was no rural TD from the government parties, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil or Green Party, um, on the government benches to support the minister in his defence of that kind of, you could call it nearly an attack from opposition rural TDs on a, on a cow reduction scheme or cow cull. Um, really interesting debate to see there and it comes as farmers continue to remain concerned about a dairy cull, where is this policy going, what will come of it but interesting to note as well the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association Pat McCormack, he's a Tipperary farmer um, and Pat was telling the Irish Farmers Journal yesterday that you know, we need to hold our horses here on this one a bit and maybe not say no straight away that there are farmers who would be interested in a cold scheme of some shape or form, depending on the terms and conditions. So that might be a farmer who's coming towards the end of their career, might want to cut back in numbers, may not have a successor. You know, he's saying that if government are going to put money on the table um, for farmers to reduce numbers, so it could be, I'd say, a farmer with 100 cows going back to 80 cows or something like that, but they'd get a lump sum payment for those for that cutback. Um, you know, he's saying there will be potential interest there. Um but it's just it's 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 it's, it's, an, it's one that not all farmers seem to be on the same page with. Not all farm organisations seem to be on the page with either. And there's lots to come from it, I'd imagine, in the months ahead. Breeding of sheep with lower methane traits, low methane sheep equivalent to seventy-five thousand cow cull in terms of you know combating the climate uh, the climate problems. That's it, indeed, John. And look again, TDs and and um, you know politicians have called for the minister and you know, agriculture to think outside the box in terms of how it might reduce emissions for the sector. Um, I think I was on with yourself a number of weeks ago when we, we talked about limiting cattle coming out on top in terms of having the lowest methane levels. Um, and this is a similar study. It was the green breed um, study, but this time not for cattle, for sheep. And while they haven't got data or been able to pull out findings in terms of which breeds of sheep, be it your Suffolk or your Charlotte or your Texas, have the lowest emissions, they have found that there's huge variation in um, say the animal that has most efficient um, is most efficient in terms of methane, and the animal that's least efficient, they're saying, the gen- on a genetic level, the top twenty percent of sheep, these are breeding yows with lambs at foot, and dry yows then as well have twenty percent lower emissions. Sorry, they have 
15% lower emissions than the 20% at the other end of the scale of kind of the, of the lowest genetic merit animals. So really interesting study. And I was talking to uh, Cogsha's Dr. Noreen McHugh, and she explained to me that, um, you know, like when, when you take any trace for, for, um, for, for emissions or for, for, for genetic breeding, for example, so if you're breeding yos, um, say, to have better elders or to have, you know, more multiple lambs, you may make a 1% genetic gain year on year if you keep selecting for that trait. So what she's saying, if you can, um, if you can breed sheep for lower emissions, um, that you'll make a 1% gain year on year. So over 30 years, they'd have 30 low, 30% lower emissions if the right rams are selected. Um, and where the 75,000 cow call figure comes from is overall, while sheep have about a tenth of the emissions, a so yaw standing in the field beside a cow, she puts out about one tenth or ten percent of the emissions the cow puts out. But um, overall, because you have so many sheep in Ireland, they make up about two hundred fifty thousand worth in terms of cows, in terms of methane emissions. So the same as two hundred fifty thousand cows. So if you could reduce that by thirty percent, you'd be taking seventy five thousand cows out of the country. So that was her analogy on that one. Um, you know, when you can get down to kind of the specific figures and stuff, but she found that the average yo emitted twenty one grams of methane per day. Um, while a yo that had lambs at foot was emitting 28 grams of methane per day. Um, and then, you know, the range, and this is the interesting part, so you can have two sheep standing in the field, one black one, one white one, doing the same thing, both rearing two lambs, both eating the same amount of grass, that, the you know, they had a range of 12 grams to 40 grams of methane per day, you know, different animals, so for doing the same thing. So obviously the intention would be to breed the sheep with the lower methane levels. That certainly is fascinating. Offering hope there if we look at the science involved. And as you've just referred to there, Dr. McHugh talking about the Chagask Green Breed Sheep Methane Measurement Project. But certainly wonderful news there to balance in some way against the horrific headline in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Tinderbox situation, beef finishers losing €300 per head, but by going through the journal, you can find plenty of positive suggestions and solutions. But for the moment, beef finishers are in a terrible situation, but a bright spot on the horizon, UK markets remaining relatively strong, something to hold on to there. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Barry Murphy, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Barry. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. You're very welcome. The recent Charleville show, held on 24th and 25th of June, was a great success. Miss Bernie Carroll, PRO for the Charleville show. Yes, John, thank you very much. We had an absolutely fantastic weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We had amazing competitions between the dairy, the beef, the ponies, the horses, the show jumping, the sheep, the dogs. Every section were all open last year and the exhibitors and the patrons were all commenting so well on how the show went this year. Everybody loved it and it was there was a lovely atmosphere. We had um, lots of people just sitting around chatting and going for a cup of tea and everything and the weather was very favourable and the crowds were way up at last year. So we were very, very happy with the show overall. The trading stands, etc.? Our trade stands were way up again this year and the quality of the trade stands was like first class. We had so many um, agricultural trade stands and the feedback from them now in the last few days, the compliments we got from them was just unbelievable. They were all saying they had a fantastic weekend. They all made lots of new um, 
customers and new contacts and everybody was saying that the show this year was amazing. You had beautiful sunshine for nearly all of the two days. Indeed we had, yeah. We had beautiful sunshine on Saturday and on Sunday, kind of from 12 to about 12.15, we had one heavy thunder shower. But once that went away, we had blue skies again and everything went fantastic. The comments that are coming back are mind-blowing. Uh, I suppose a big thank you to Kerry Group, who are main sponsors, and indeed all the other sponsors who have been with us since the show started back in 1979. We still have a lot of those sponsors who are sponsoring us every year, and without their support, and also our local landowners who provide their um, fields for parking every year, free of charge, and without having all that, uh, we couldn't hold our show I'd like to say the local Garda Shikana in Charville, they have been absolutely fantastic as well. They have been there there day and night looking after the, um, you know, the cars and the roads, the traffic. They're coming in the evenings, they're coming at night to make sure security is everything is okay. And we are crying out for new helpers especially younger people. But thank you very much indeed, Miss Bernie Carroll, PRO for the Charlotte Agricultural Show Cork 2023. Thank you very much indeed, Bernie. Thanks a million. Thank you, John, and thank you for the call. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Lawrence Chalou, Head of Animal and Grassland Research at Moorpark Fomoy. First of all, Lawrence, welcome to the programme. You have the background now in details of Moorpark Open Day 2023. We have Moor Park 23, which is uh, our uh, biannual open day, and that's happening on the 4th of July, kick-off at 8.30. And I suppose this year, uh, more than ever, there's a big focus on, uh, I suppose, sustainability. There's a lot of challenges. There's opportunities at farm level, uh, but there's a lot of challenges, and our focus of the day will be around securing a sustainable future from the dairy industry and looking at each of those challenges and looking at ways we can address those challenges. There'll be lots of talk, hopefully, about water quality. Very key on farmers' minds at the moment. You know, We have changes in the nitrate uh, action plan and the derogation as from last year. For example, the introduction of banding, um, reduced chemical nitrogen allowances, uh, increased requirement for slurry storage, uh, later uh, fertilizer spreading in the spring, and earlier spreading of slurry in the autumn. So these are all changes that have happened last year. Uh, through the nitrous action program some have been implemented this year um, but you know there's also challenges as we look forward you know there's the midterm review uh, which talks about the upper limit in terms of organic in uh, at the moment with the derogation we can go to 250 kilos of organic in uh, and there is some discussion about that being reduced i suppose very much as part of the day we're going to look at that we're going to look at uh, what is happening around water quality what we're seeing we're looking at what did changes uh, the parts of the program that were implemented last year are going to have on nitrate loss and we're you know you know when we look at all that data together and we look at the changes and we look at maybe the changes in water quality and you know the latest EPA report that came out in the last uh, couple of weeks you know when you start to interrogate that and you you compare it against some of the previous reports there's some very strong positives there for example uh, in the you know if we look at the periods the amount of rivers that are meeting satisfactory nitrate concentrations have increased from 53% in the uh, 18 to 20 period 
Um, they've, they've increased up to um, 57% in the 19 to 21 period, and they're now over 60% in the 20 to 22 period. So there is some progress being made, and that's very positive, and we need to recognize that. And we did need to discuss, I suppose, what more, what can be done in farm to speed that up and, and continue to increase the water quality. We need to recognize that when progress has been made. And what I'm, the numbers I'm just calling out there are the numbers from the EPA report. So they are the same numbers uh, looking back over a period of time. And we, you know, we should and it's proper to recognize uh, when there's progress being made. Are we where we want to be? Absolutely not. Uh, but we still need to recognize when there's progress being made. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, we need to understand, you know, the actions that are being put in place now and the actions that have been put in place last year, what impact those actions will have. You know, farmers are using less chemical nitrogen now. We know that farmers are, you know, go, are, have reduced stocking rate based on, on the introduction of banding. So those are going to have an impact. We've modeled those impacts, and we think that they are going to be relatively significant in terms of the lost pathways uh, to water over time. And re-wetting, re-wilding. And I, I think it's really important. You know, we had a really important paper um, published uh, last week from one of my colleagues here, here in Moorpark, uh, where they quantified the amount of drained peats in the country. So at the moment, the national inventory of greenhouse gas assumes there's 335,000 hectares of drained peats in the in nationally. Uh, and this paper uh, that was published last week says that that figure is somewhere between 90 and 120,000 hectares. So we've overestimated the you know the amount by maybe um, you know three fourfold uh, in terms of the amount of drained peats. So you know the amount of land that needs to be rewetted. It's very much dependent on the amount of drained peats we have. And if we've overestimated the amount of drained peats, then the amount we have to rewet is going to be substantially less. So that's a really, really important paper. There will be, you know, there'll be lots of people there to talk about that on the day. Uh, and I think that changes everything in relation to the amount of land that will have to, re- to rewet it to meet these targets in terms of, you know, from a national or government point of view or government land relative to private land. And I think it's much clearer now that uh, there's probably very little, if any, private land needed be rewetted based on these new overall numbers. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Lawrence Chalou, Head of Animal and Grassland Research and Innovation at Chagas Moor Park for Moy. Thank you very much indeed, Lawrence. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. And a reminder, the Chagas Open Day 2023 taking place at Moor Park for Moy on 4th of July. Mr. John O'Brien, Chairman, Chairperson of Barry Rose Show 2023. First of all, John, welcome to the programme. Now, you might please remind our listeners when Barry Rose Show 2023 is taking place, the venue, and indeed some of the main attractions. Well, first of all, very important, the date that the Barry Rose Show 2023 is actually taking place. So, John, thanks a million for the opportunity. This Barry Rose Show is on, on always on the second Saturday of July, so this year it's the 8th of July at the um, GA pitch in Barry Row, Parky Moraku, okay? And we're very thankful for the use of the pitch uh, from the GA. Um, so then the postcode for that, for anyone that's into technology, is P72KP04, okay? So anyway, it's our 65th annual show, and, you know, we came back with a bang last year. We had a great show uh, post-COVID. So now we're looking forward to a, an even better show this year. So it's, you know, it's all systems go at the moment. So we're taking entries and we'll be taking entries. Uh, entries uh, will be closing fairly soon. So if anyone has entries, we'd like to get them in immediately, okay, or on hearing this, this interview, okay. So um, they can go to um, Eileen Collins, who's our secretary, and 
if you look up um, barryroshow.com, uh, com or email barryroshow at gmail.com. So anyway, look, it's our 65th show, as I said. Barry Row Co-op are our main sponsors, and we're, uh, again, uh, eternally thankful to them for the sponsorship. But equally, we get a lot of sponsorship throughout West Cork, um, which goes towards the efficient running of the show and, and, and our excellent prize money. So, you know, it, it's vitally important that we have sponsors, and we're, we're thankful for them. But then we'd, we'd, we'd say to our people that are exhibiting or attending the show and the people that hold the show to support our sponsors because without we support your sponsors, we won't have sponsors going forward. So Barry Row Co-op are our main sponsors, but we're, thankfully we've got a lot of other great sponsors as well. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to showcase what's good about the Barry Row and West Cork area. And it's a tremendous opportunity um, for people to get together meet friends and neighbours far and wide from abroad. A lot of people come in from abroad for the show uh, to meet, catch up with friends and family. So it's a tremendous day in the parish. Parking is a very important uh, question. Uh, we're very fortunate that um, there is um, an abundance of room around the pitch. There's a secondary pitch which we have use of as well. So we always have ample parking so you can drive right into the, into the facility so there's no need to be getting shuttle buses or anything like that. And it's all uh, very well manned and stored, so there's no problem with traffic getting away in the evening or anything like that. But the important thing to mention is it would be signposted from Clannacilty and from Bandon. So if you follow the signpost, you'll have no problem getting to Barry Row Pitch, where the show will be on. But, um, you know, if you look up the, the postcode, is P72KP04. So if you put that into your phone and Google Maps, it'll get you straight to the gate. So, no, the, the facilities, John, we're, we're so fortunate to have the facilities we have. They're excellent facilities. Plenty parking, plenty room. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous venue. It's, it's one of the safest and one of the most, uh, you know, amenable venues um, in the county for a show. It is the pitch. We have the show in the pitch, but uh, we clean up on the evening and you could actually play a match there the following day. So, you know, it, it's a great community event. Great community support, and uh, everyone enjoys the day. A big display of ponies, horses, cattle, and poultry with reasonable admission prices. It's 10 euros for adults, um, 5 euros for, you know, um, um, kind of school-going um, children or whatever, you know. But there's a family rate as well, and look, we, we, we're not there to fleece anybody. Look, uh, um, there's a family rate um, at the gate, so look, that, that, that's, that's very... Very acceptable, okay? But, John, it's a great opportunity for families and friends to get together, but it's a great opportunity to see the best of cattle, the best of horses and ponies, poultry, and all the domestic displays that are on. And then we're very fortunate that our ladies' committee, we have a tremendous ladies' committee uh, who do a lot of work behind the scenes, but they provide fantastic food on the day. So, you know, you can have your lunch or a cup of tea there or whatever, um, you know, it, it, it's a great family occasion. And also in the afternoon, we'll have music um, provided by Con Hagerty and his friends. But um, the, the highlight of the evening for the young children is we usually have a sports in the evening time um, for, for, for the young children. And that's, that's for, the, for those, it, it's the highlight of the event. So, you know, there's something for, all, something for all the family. But if I could mention, you know, just a few of our classes, you know, we've got some tremendous classes and some, some tremendous prize money. I suppose, you know, our Mare and Fall, our Mare and Fall competition championship uh, in the show, you know, there's first prize of €350 Euros there. So that, that's a Barry Row class. Also, 
we're hosting the um, All-Ireland um, Colt and Gilding Championship Final. That's an All-Ireland Classic, and that's kindly sponsored by Irish Yogurt, Satanic Kilty, John Tyner of JT Motorcycles, and John Swimming of Barry Row. And, you know, there's some tremendous prize money in that as well. There's 700 euros first prize in that, and it ranges all the way down uh, to 100 euros for the for all other ponies that are horses that are exhibited. Then there are various pony classes, too, no, too numerous to mention, but there's some tremendous prize money in those as well. And then we've got our cattle section. We've got all the dairy breeds, Shorthorn, Jersey, and Frisian. But I suppose the highlight of our Frisian um, classes are the Barry Row Co-op Best Pair of Frisian Cows, our heifer in milk. And there's a first prize there, €250. Euros. So, you know, that's, that's a great a great uh, championship as well. And also, we're very fortunate uh, to have the um, Irish shows in the Department of Agriculture um, Breeders' Choice 4 and 5-star breeding heifer um, competition. And, you know, there's a prize fund there. Uh, there's a first prize of €250, Euros, second prize of 125 and from that down, okay? So, you know, it, there's, there's some tremendous prize money, trophies and cups, perpetual cups and whatever. Then you've got the poultry section. There's, there's great prizes there as well. And also in the domestic section, there are various qualifiers in, in different in all the different areas. So, you know, there's, there's plenty to see and do. Can I just urge people that want to enter to maybe get their entries in as soon as possible? Um, it's vital that we come to a close on those because we need to get a catalogue pr- published. And, um, you know, so you can you can get them into our secretary, Eileen Collins. We've been very fortunate that the government have announced um, a subvention uh, for this year again. So all shows will be getting um, 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 grant money this year again, uh, which is a big help to keep them viable and keep them running. So, you know, we have an awful lot to be thankful for. We have a great community, great people, great supporters and great committee. So, you know... It's a it's a great all round event. We also have various displays by the Coast Guard, by the lifeboat, because we've got a, a great tradition of the lifeboat here in Corfish Sherry, so they do a great display as well. So you know we're really looking forward to an exciting day. All our committee are really excited about what's happening on on the eighth of July, and uh, look, we're looking forward to seeing you all. Um, you know all your listeners and whoever whoever and John, may I? issue you an invite if you're in the area give us a shout and uh, I'm sure you'll get a pleasant surprise of, of, of what's on in the day in Barry Row Barry Row Agricultural Show is on in uh, Barry Row GA grounds uh, Lislevan the postcode I'll give you for that is P72 KP04 and it's our 65th annual show on Saturday the 8th of July so we're looking forward to seeing you all on the day. Barry Row Show was formed uh, 65 years ago by Barry Row Mark and the Firma. And, you know, we have a long association with Mark and the Firma. So they, they work with us as long as, as well as the GA, you know, the local GA club as well, help us in stewarding and all that kind of thing. But, look, it's a, it, it's a community effort, John, and, and I, can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Everyone from the community helps. Everyone gives a hand and, you know, they, it enables us to have a very safe show and a very enjoyable day. So, And then can, can I pay tribute, of course, to our secretary and her assistants. Our secretary is Eileen Collins. She's a tremendous secretary, full of energy and enthusiasm. But without a good secretary like Eileen, um, you know, everything else pales into insignificance. You wouldn't have a show without a good secretary. All the rest of us are, are uh, you know, we... we 
we we we just tag along. It, the secretary is critical, critical to the show, and we're blessed. We have a tremendous secretary in Eileen Collins. So you know, and all our committee, you know, be our, our treasurers and our, our our people in our ladies' committee and whatever. The whole uh, community and voluntary um, input from the community is tr- it's happening really, John. It's tremendous. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. John O'Brien, Barry Rowe Show Chair. Thank you, John, and every good luck with your show, 2023, taking place 8th of July. Thank you, John, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John, and thanks for the opportunity. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, News Editor, 96FM and C103 News, to Marie Tuig, 96FM and C103 News Reporter and News Reader, and also creator of the regular Farm Talk podcasts. A very special thank you to the listener for tuning in. Saturday mornings, 7am to 8am, and Wednesday evenings, the midweek edition, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.